I'm Stephen Henderson. In this episode of Created Equal, I talk with the founder, president, and editor-in-chief of Sojourners Magazine, Reverend Jim Wallace. He's also the author of 12 books, including America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and The Bridge to a New America, which was published in 2015. He says the book has taken on new relevance this year. It was founded on the principle, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That all men are created equal. All men are created equal. I have never heard the phrase America's original sin more spoken than I have in the last two months. <laughs> never in my life have oh. I heard so many references to that phrase, America's original sin. It's all of this uh, systemic uh, racism, this oppression is, 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 is felt every day by every black person in America and 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 they often feel invisible, but it's invisible and it's not seen. And how in this moment it's becoming more visible. I we during that pandemic uh, we're still in it, but in those days of pandemic, you know, we're so much more shut down. We're remote. We're at home, and people having to go out to work and being more vulnerable when they do. All that's true, but we were all kind of watching watching, watching. And then Minneapolis happens and this this excruciating eight minutes and 46 seconds mm. with a white police knee on the black neck of George Floyd was seen uh, by more people. We've had videos before, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was seen by more people and and watched and and somehow it's it's... In biblical terms, it's I would call it a kairos moment, a moment which is more than just time, but it spiritually impacts and changes things. Because somehow eight minutes and 46 seconds became uh, a time to talk about 401 years mm-hmm. of America's original sin. And, uh, and now what has been so invisible is being made more visible especially to a lot more white people who just never saw this before and are now finally seeing it. And so that neck, every black parent who saw that neck saw their kids under that knee, their sons and daughters, and saw themselves under that knee. But white parents, by and large, hadn't, didn't, and now they begin to listen and to understand how that neck is not just a neck, but a system, mm. uh, a culture, a habit, uh, a practice, uh, an idol, um, a sin, and in fact, America's original sin. He thought he would get away with it because that knee always gets away with it. But this time, it didn't. So whether this moment uh, becomes a movement with the momentum to change systems and policies is now the task before us. But what was invisible is becoming more visible. And I learned this in Detroit, in my hometown, a long time ago when, um, uh, you know, I was trying to understand what was going on. I was a teenage kid and 
you know, there was something very big, very wrong going on in my city, in my country, and nobody in my white church and school and neighborhood would talk about it. We just would never be willing to talk about it. With there were just innocent teenage questions, and finally, I always tell young young people, follow your question. I mean, trust your questions and follow them mm-hmm. <laughs> to wherever they take take you. So, my took took me into what was called the you know the inner city, and and I took jobs alongside young young black men like like me, but they were black and I was white. I'm making money for college to go to Michigan State. And they're making my support for families. And I, the more I worked alongside, got to know, listened to, became friends with people, I realized that we had born, been born in Detroit, same city, but had grown up in literally different countries. Mm. And so that was the beginning for me in Detroit of understanding uh, what was invisible in the media, in the narrative. Narrative was so painfully... Yeah. immediate and visible for all the young guys I was working with and their families who I got to meet. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll have more of my conversation with Reverend Jim Wallace. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap donate in our mobile app. One of the things that I think is really striking about, again, this moment and the way that things from the past and things from the present are kind of converging is the cover of your book, uh, America's Original Sin, which depicts the Edmund Pettus Bridge, the site of the civil rights movement's march from Selma to Montgomery and Bloody Sunday. And of course, the country is mourning the loss of Congressman John Lewis. Uh, Talk about just the, again, the the, the significance of all of these things being put back in front of us at, at this time. Well, uh, John Lewis is the only, quote, politician, unquote, that I ever let um, hold one of my babies. <laughs> so we've got this picture uh, here I'm looking at now of, of uh, John holding my son, Luke, who just graduated from Haverford College. And uh, and uh, he tweeted about this when, when John died, the, the, the honor of being in the presence of that. Man, he was a mentor, he was an elder, he was a friend, he was a colleague. And I remember on the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, there was this ceremony, and, uh, you know, Barack Obama came and his first family, and, and, and John Lewis got to introduce the President of the United States, the black red. He said, I never thought I would be doing this, right? <laughs> then, uh, then, then Obama said uh, yeah, how honored he was to be just sitting next to John Lewis, and then some of us got invited to, to, to march again up across that bridge with all the foot soldiers who were there. C.T. Vivian, who also just passed, yes. was right there. I was marching just by his side. He was still straight and tall, you know, the way he stood. <laughs> and, and, John, and people in walkers were there who were on that bridge on that bloody Sunday, who, or wheelchairs, 
still marching. And we got to the top of the bridge, and and I and I gave John. John I had this big hug. And it was just tears were just falling down my face. I looked at the looked at the at Selma in the country from the top of the bridge, and uh, here we are. Here we were, and we had come so far. Yet now we're fighting literally uh, some of those same battles, as John would say, over again. When there's there's just there's strategies there's uh, work in process in place uh, to uh, suppress black votes mm. in key states, and so you know in honor of John Lewis, uh, Jim Jim Clyburn put forward the Voting Rights Restoration Act, John Lewis bill now, but practically we're working sojourners in the of the uh, African American National uh, Clergy Network of uh, uh, it's called Lawyers and Collars, where collars clergy are joining with lawyers to protect vulnerable votes, votes of color in nine key states, including Michigan. Mm. And I've been on the phone with a number of your pastors in Detroit and elsewhere, and plans are in place to protect black votes, clergy collars, and lawyers working side by side. And now. That's all in honor of John Lewis. So John was saying before he died, he, he would say the, the vote is, is the best, most important nonviolent tool that we have to change things. That's why his whole life was fought for that. On the next episode of Created Equal, I talk with Harriet Washington, who's an award-winning author of several books, including A Terrible Thing to Waste, Environmental Racism, and Its Assault on the American Mind, which came out in 2019. It's not that poverty isn't a risk factor, but race is such a large risk factor that it completely overshadows it. It's much greater. It's much more significant. Created Equal is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Our executive producer is Joan Cherry Isabella. Our producers are Jake Neer, Anna Marie Seisling, and Claire Brennan. Our sound engineers are Matt Trevethan and Rowan Niamisto. Our composer and senior editor is Sam Bobian. And our social media and digital assets are done by Maida Stangi and Tony Brown. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson.